Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1, verse number 1. And we're going to continue start here in this verse. Uh, <clears throat> Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated under the gospel of God, which he had promised afore by his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, concerning his son Jesus Christ, our Lord, which was made of the seed of David, according to the flesh, and declared to be the Son of God, and with power, according to the Spirit of holiness, by the resurrection from the dead, by whom we have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all nations for his name. And uh, again, we're, we've, we're going to continue to look here at verse number one. And uh, we looked at Paul at the issue of uh, Paul being our apostle and the fact that he was a disqualified apostle. He didn't match the criteria, so God changed the program, changed the dispensation, changed how he was dealing with people, with mankind, so that a disqualified apostle could go talk to a disqualified people, the Gentiles. And uh, we, verse 1 is loaded. That's why this is lesson 6, and three of them have been spent so far in verse 1. And uh, we're going to look today, this morning, at the end there of that verse, separated under the gospel of God. And uh, depending on how far we get, we'll maybe look at it one more time. And then we'll move on, because we're getting into the, the meat of it. Uh, we're going to be getting into the book itself. Romans is a foundational book. It's the book, it's the first book <clears throat> that you come to of Paul's epistles, because it lays in the foundation that you and I need to have in our inner man. And when we do that, we need to have some clarity about the gospel. And really, we need to recognize the gospel and the gospels that are connected to Paul. Um, most of the time in theology, they will say there's only one gospel in Scripture. Religion says that. And when you get into the Scriptures themselves you quickly begin to see that there is more than one gospel. I've counted 10 at least, and there could be 15, uh, as many as 15, different sets of good news, of the, the word gospel, good news, good tidings. You know, go, if you take that word gospel and you, you know, go and then spell so, you know, go, good, God, spell, words, information, uh, news, good news type of thing. So when we come here to Paul, the gospel of God he is associated. Paul's going to bring out some things here. He's called to be an apostle. He's separated unto. And again, we've looked at that issue of him being separated he, he was separated from Israel. He was Saul of Tarsus. He was leading the rebellion. We looked last time there where, as one born out of due time. And that phrase, born out of due time, that untimely birth, that, that situation where actually in Galatians 1, he says, I'm separated from my mother's womb. He's aborted from all of that. He's moved out of Israel's program. And literally, we looked last time, God killed Israel, killed that program, so that he could then do something different. And he, that, that, the word that we looked at last time, casting away, not aside, but away. A, casting aside would mean that I could go get it and use it again. I have that potential. But casting away is no potential to ever go back. By the way, when the blindness in part has happened to Israel, Romans eleven twenty five there, and then they're going to be saved, verse 26, he isn't finished with Israel. When he, the rapture happens and we go home to be with the Lord and he starts the prophetic program up again, he does not go back to the old program, that old covenant. He goes on to the new covenant. So what has he done with the old? He's killed it. It's been dissolved. It's been done away with. Now we're going to go to the new covenant with the nation of Israel. And that's what Hebrews through really Revelation is talking about. So 
here when we get into this, he was separated unto the gospel of God. And what God is basically really telling Paul is, you're my vessel, what he told Ananias in Acts 9. He's my vessel, you're going to represent me, you're going to be the guy that's going to go show all of humanity, not just a specific group, Israel, but all of humanity, you're going to show them my grace, you're going to reveal my son. That's Galatians 1 there. So as we begin to look here this morning at that term, separated unto the gospel of God. The term the gospel of God is a generic term. It's an umbrella term. And, and again, what happens then is religion comes in and says, yeah, there's only one gospel in the scriptures and so forth. And, uh, you know, there's only one. There can't be more than one and this and that and blah, blah, blah. And it goes back to Genesis 3 and da, 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 yada. But yet when you really get in scripture, there's more than that. There's, I've counted upwards of about 15, almost 20, but it depends on how you break them out, Okay. But I've landed on 10 solid ones, okay, <laughs> that, are, that are, are, are evident and that are present. So we're going to look at all 10. No, just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. We're, we're going to look right here. The problem with saying that there's only one gospel is, again, when you come to the scriptures and you begin to look at the content and then the context, scripture tells you something different. So when we look at this term, we're going to allow Paul to define the term for us. And he's going to tell us what it means and what he's using it to refer to. You see the gospel of God there used by Paul, right? Well, that gospel... Look over at 1 Peter 4. That term is also used by Peter, 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 17. 1 Peter 4 and verse 17. For the time has come that judgment must begin at the house of God. And if it is first begin at us, by the way, this is Isaiah 26, all the prophetic scriptures coming to pass. What shall the end be of them that obey not the gospel of God? See that? So is Peter going to talk about the gospel of God the same way Paul talks about the gospel of God? Not necessarily. See? So that term, you have to then allow the context, the content, that Peter's going to tell you what it means for them. Now come back to Romans 1. We're concerned with Paul. (laughs) And so Paul is going to do the same thing. It's it's God's good news about, and then you fill in the blank. When When you think about the gospel, God's good news. Look, if you will, at verse, back in Romans 1 now, verse 1. Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated under the gospel of God. Watch verse 2, the parenthesis. When you have a parenthesis in the English language, what do, what do we have? More information, right? So here's some more information. Which he had promised afore by his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. Now, everybody then now is going to bust a gut. Oh no, the Holy Scriptures. See, look, Paul's preaching what the prophets were talking about back there. And he's preaching what Peter and the boys and all them back there were talking about. And see, it is just one gospel. So you have to be careful with verse 2. Because you don't want to make an assumption. The interesting thing is it's, it's spoken by his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. <laughs> well, if you don't understand how to rightly divide your Bible you're going to have some struggles with that verse. And that's what theology does. That's what religion does. Look over with me at Romans 16, verse 25 and 26. Our, the, the verses that <clears throat> establish the, the edification process for us today in the age of grace and how things are, going to, are designed to 
work out. So when he says there in verse 2 about uh, by, the holy pro- by the prophets and the Holy Scriptures, there's some things in that that he's going to then define for us, by the way, in verse 3. But I just want you to notice something in verse 25 and 26. In the building of the edifice, in the building up of our inner man, when you go in and you're going to build something out by where I work, they ha- they're building like 400, 500 homes in the subdivision. And, and there's a whiteboard that sits out on the street that says, here's the permit guys, here's the contractor guys, here's who's built the home builder. If you got questions on dust, you call this. Why? Because they've done what? They've gotten permits, building permits. In building our edification, Romans 16, 25, and 26 is God's building permit. Here's how he's going to build, because the permits do that. They say, here's, here's the blueprints, here's how things are going to go, here's the subcontractors, here's all this information, okay? Now, to him that is of power to establish you according to, first point, what? My gospel. Whose gospel? Paul's gospel. So when God's going to build in today into the inner man of the souls of the believers, he's going to do it first by Paul's gospel. All of the information that was given to Paul. And, second tier, the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery, which was kept secret since the world began, but now is made manifest. So there's, it's going to also be built upon a mystery. Something that was kept secret since the world began. Since Genesis 1, God kept a secret. By the way, how do you keep a secret? Don't tell anybody. He says in Ephesians, he says it was hid in God. He kept it in himself. The Godhead kept a secret. If you want to not keep a secret, usually it's tell a woman and boom, it's gone, right? Tell your wife and it's all over. But that's not always the case, okay? Not always the case, uh, you know. I know if I tell, it's always interesting when you go, when I started, a, like I started at a new, a new job at the bus, you, you try to find the gossipers, the ones that like to talk. So you just kind of lay out some things and, and, you know, make a statement here or there to kind of set them up, you know. And uh, you quickly then learn, okay, I can't say anything around John or Jack or Bill or who, you know. I just got to keep that, you know. So why? Because they like to yak. God says, no, we're going to keep a secret. And by the scriptures of the prophets. Now, we're not going to teach Romans 16 tonight, today, this morning. It's not night, it's morning. <laughs> okay, in my brain right now, it's all foggy and morning because I'm doped up. But uh, on antibiotics, so it's kind of, ooh. So when you come back to Romans 1, there is a thing about the prophets. You've got the prophets of the Holy Scriptures. You've got prophets that belong to the church, the body of Christ, and those roles in the very beginning. And when we get over there, we'll discuss it. But notice verse 2 carefully. Which he had promised afore by his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. So who is he talking about there? Not the scripture, not the prophets that belong to the body of Christ, but who? The Old Testament guys, right? All right, Paul, so wait a minute. How do we, how do we, how do we protect you then from, in your unique apostleship? You're the disqualified apostle talking to the Gentiles, the disqualified people. How do we protect that? Well, verse 3, how about this? Because he protects himself, if you will. Concerning his son, Jesus Christ our Lord, which was made of the seed of David according to the flesh... So see how he clarifies what he's talking about? The gospel of God, which he laid out back there in the, in the prophets, it concerns his son Jesus Christ, our Lord, which was made of the seed of David according to the flesh and declared to be the son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. Notice the content of the gospel of God is concerning his son, Jesus Christ. And some things that he's going to do and some things that are going to happen to him. So the question is, was Paul the first to preach anything about the Lord Jesus Christ? 
No. Was Paul the first to preach anything about the seed of David and a seed line? No. Was Paul the first to preach anything about the resurrection? The answer is no. So in order to maintain his uniqueness, he lays out that what he's talking about here and about the gospel of God. What is the gospel of God about? It's about the Lord Jesus Christ coming in the flesh, dying, being buried, and resurrected. You see, that's what's happening here. You see, the God... The gospel of God, a big term that describes God's good news concerning a Redeemer coming who will die and be resurrected. Now let me ask you something. Would that concern you and I? Yes, it does. Do we not need a Redeemer? Do we not need someone to come and to take care of that sin penalty? We do need a Redeemer who will come and die for us and be raised again from the dead. Do you see what he's doing here? What happens is, is we flip out oh, because of verse 2. And we start making assumptions that aren't in the passage. The basis on which God could ever use humanity, no matter what period of time you're in in Scripture, time past, today, but now, or the ages to come, the basis on which God could ever use humanity is the issue of a Redeemer who comes, who dies, who is buried, who is resurrected. And that faith in that activity, He is then able to give us perfect righteousness. So then He is able then to use humanity, mankind. It's interesting, Paul calls the Lord the last Adam. Doesn't call him the second Adam, because the second would imply what? There might be a third or a fourth or a fifth. He calls him the last one. When the Lord Jesus Christ, we got Christmas season right now, you know, oh, the birth of Christ. The birth of Christ was not December 25th, I'm sorry. It's late September, October, and that time. So everybody freaks out. And by the way, how you know that? Luke 1, go study it. Don't take tradition on faith, go study it, you know. <laughs> you, see, you see that teacher get in trouble for telling the, her kids that Santa isn't real? She got, in tr she got fired. <laughs> they actually fired her. You know, <laughs> you know don't, don't say that. Well, I say it. <laughs> oh, no. Christ wasn't born this time, but everybody's doing what? Thinks it is, thinking about it. When he was born, he was born just normal as every other baby was. What was the miracle at this time of year? The conception. That was the miracle. It's a redemptive issue. That's the thing. Why did he come? He came to take care of Israel, to save Israel, to redeem Israel. Because in the program, in Israel's program, the redeemed Israel would then be a blessing to all the families of the earth. Genesis 12. But God had a what? He had a secret. Kept a secret. So now we take the events of the cross, which have been talked about and prophesied all through the Old Testament, and Paul steps in and says, here's a meaning to that event that is now going to imp impact all nations. Look at the end of verse 5. For obedience to the faith among how many? All nations. The events of the cross had a meaning specifically for Israel. Paul shows up and says, now this is what it means for everybody else. And now we're going to include everybody. So when Paul talks here about, hey, the, I was separated unto the gospel of God, God has some great news concerning his son, who God predicted to be the Redeemer. And he predicted him to come and to die and be buried and rise on the third day. And that is now going to impact everybody else. And I'm the guy bringing that information. You see that, I hope. Okay? So when we talk about the gospel, 
of God here. By the way, if you look at verse 16, there are several Gospels that are associated with Paul. Look at verse 16, Romans 1, 16. For I am not ashamed of the Gospel of who? Of Christ. Come on over to Galatians. Galatians 2. Galatians 2. In verse 7, Galatians 2, verse 7, Paul, when he meets with Peter and James and John, and the elders there, this is the Acts 15 event, he says to them, but contrarywise, when they saw that the gospel of the uncircumcision was committed unto me, see, there's another one, as the gospel of the circumcision was unto Peter, and so what do the theologians do? Let's go to the Greek and let's do a hoodly do and change some words around. So instead of it being gospel of, now it's gospel to. So it makes it all one message, right? But that's not what it is, is it? Paul is going to go to the gospel of the uncircumcision as Peter was going to the gospel of the circumcision. By the way, it's interesting there in verse 9, the end of that verse, they give him the right hands of fellowship that we should go unto the heathen, and they unto the circumcision. And it's an interesting thing when you we're studying Matthew, and the Lord looks over, and he looks at those Pharisees, and he calls them heathen. Don't pray like the heathen do. Matthew 6. Vain reputations. What's that, publican, or that Pharisee doing there? And when the publican in him, he's beating his chest, and see my prayers and hear my, you know, all this stuff. And, and uh, the Lord says, no, that's a heathen activity. You're a heathen. The publican just lays the sacrifice on the mercy seat and says, Father, I'm a sinner. And the Lord says, that man goes home justified. It's interesting. Come over to Acts 20. Acts chapter 20. <laughs> So you've got the gospel of God associated with Paul. You've got the gospel of Christ associated with Paul. Paul talks about the gospel of the, uncircum of the uncircumcision. And he talks about the gospel of the circumcision. Acts 20 and verse number 24. But none of these things move me, neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. Uh-oh, there's another, oh my goodness, now there's another one. <laughs> You've got another gospel. You've got a gospel of peace. You've got the gospel of the kingdom. You've got an everlasting gospel in Revelation over there. You've got, Paul says, my gospel. So you've got other, then by the way, in Galatians 1, you've got an other gospel where they're mixing law and grace together. <laughs> so you've got all of these terms and all of this information flowing through. So come back here to Romans 1, Romans chapter 1. So when we talk here about the gospel of God, well, what is it? It's concerning his son, Jesus Christ, who is going to come and be born of the seed of David, be made flesh. He was going to die, he was going to be buried, and he was going to be resurrected. So then what the theologians and the religion and everybody out there does when they pitch their fit is they assume that Paul is just preaching the same thing that's been taught all down through time. Well, that's not the case. Come over with me to Luke chapter 18. Luke chapter 18. What Paul is basically saying there is the, one, the guy that the prophets were talking about, I'm talking about the same guy. That's the one I was separated unto. That's the guy that the prophets were discussing and looking at, it's the same guy. 
I'm, it's the same one. That's the one I'm talking about. But now as it applies to who? All the nations. You guys with me? Okay. Rome, uh, Luke 18. Look at verse 31. Luke 18, 31. The Lord is dealing here with the disciples, with the apostles. He, he's getting them ready to go back to... He's, he's getting them ready to... Where he's got to go to Jerusalem and, and be crucified. Verse 31. First word. Then. Prior to this point, he has not been talking about going to Jerusalem to be crucified. Then. Then he spake unto him, the twelve, and said unto them, Behold, we go to Jerusalem, and all things that are written by the prophets concerning the Son of Man shall be accomplished. For he shall be delivered unto the Gentiles, and shall be mocked, and um, spitefully entreated, and spitted on. And they shall scourge him and put him to death. And the third day he shall rise again. He, he's laid out what's going to happen. Verse 34. And they understood everything he said and said, Praise the Lord, now we have justification for the forgiveness of sins by your blood. No? Are you sure? That's what the religion tells you. That's what the theologians tell you. But that's not what happened, is it? What does Scripture say? I told you, folks, you read your book, <laughs> you know, the preachers will lie to you in one hand and take your money in the other. You got, what's the book say? They understood none of these things. And this saying was hid from them, neither knew they the things which were spoken. They didn't get any of it. It was told, here is the Lord, here is the Messiah telling them i got to go and accomplish the things that Psalms 2 talks about, Psalms 16 talks about, Psalms 22 talks about, Psalms 23, 24. i got to go do what Isaiah talks about and Jeremiah tells you it's going to happen. And, and i got to go do all of this. And they go, huh? But the theologians would have you say what? Oh, they got it. Come over to Matthew 16. They didn't get it. Rather, the response was, what did he say? Why don't you ask him? Matthew 16, look at verse 21. Matthew 16, 21. From that time forth began Jesus to show unto his disciples. You see that word began? Prior to this point, Luke 18 he was not talking about going and dying on the cross for the sins of the world. He wasn't even talking about going and dying on the cross for the sins of Israel. Now he begins to lay it in. That how he must go into Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised again the third day. Then Peter took him and began to Praise him and say, wonderful, great, now we've got the good news. Matthew 16, 22. I'm mocking on purpose and not to be rude, but because that's what religion says to you. Then Peter took and began to rebuke him, saying, Be it far from thee, Lord, this shall not be unto thee. But he turned and said unto Peter, Get thee behind me, Satan, thou art an offense unto me, for thou savorest not the things that be of God, but those that, that be of men. Then the Jews, then, Jesus, uh, then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man, and off he goes. Look, folks, when it comes to the gospel, come over to Acts chapter 2. When it comes to the gospel that Paul was preaching, he says in Galatians 1, I conferred not with flesh and blood. I didn't go up there to Peter and get my information. My, inf my gospel came right from the revealed, the revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Peter in Acts 2. <clears throat> Day of Pentecost has happened. He's now going to come in and he's going to stand. Verse 22. By the way, <clears throat> the theologians, religion, will tell you that Matthew 28, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, is where Peter ought to be. 
But in Acts 1, verse 8, the Lord gives them their, their commission, and he says, you're going to be witnesses unto me, beginning where? Jerusalem, and in all Judea, and in Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. So where is Peter going to start? He's going to start in his hometown, or well, it's not his hometown, but in Jerusalem. So he says in 2.22, ye men of who? Of Israel. He doesn't say, ye men of all the nations out there. He says what? Salvation is of the Jews. <laughs> Here you go, ye men of Israel. Hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs, which God did by him in the midst of you, as ye yourselves also know. Him, being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, ye have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain, whom God hath raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be holden of it. How does, Paul, how does Peter present Calvary? Not as a great thing, as murder. You murdered him. I know he switched it to manslaughter, but you guys by wicked hands crucified him. You guys killed him. You murdered him. And he was the Messiah. It's not a good thing, is it? But Calvary, Paul says in Galatians 6, we glory where? Only in Calvary. <laughs> That's where we glory. You see, a little different. So it's not, Paul isn't preaching a continuation of. He's preaching something new. You got Acts 2. Hold on to Acts 2. Run back to Psalm 16. Psalm 16. Psalm 16 is, Psalm 16 here, this is where, you got Acts 2, got Psalm 16, go back to Acts 2 real quick. I know for you guys on the tablets it's a little hard, but you got to come do some comparing here, okay? Look at Acts 2, look at verse 25. For David speaking concerning him. I foresaw the Lord always before my face, for he is on my right hand that I should not be moved. Therefore did my heart rejoice, and my tongue was glad. Moreover also my flesh shall rest in hope, because thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thy Holy One to see corruption. Thou hast made known to me the ways of life, thou shalt make me full of joy with thy countenance. You see how Peter brings up David? And he says, here's what David is going to speak about. Now look at Psalm 16. Start in verse 8. Psalm 16, 8. I have set the Lord always before me, because he is at my right hand, I shall not be moved. Therefore my heart is glad, and my glory rejoiceth, my flesh also rest in hope. For thy will not leave my soul in hell, neither will thou suffer thy holy one to see corruption. Thou wilt show me the path of life, and thy presence is a fullness of joy, and at thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. That's what Peter was talking about. Psalm 16 is describing the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Go back to Acts 2. That, that's the prophetic passage that Peter looks back and says, what Psalms is talking about is what happened and is what I'm talking about, what you guys did. There's your Romans 1-2 type picture. The Lord said, Paul says, the guy back there that the prophets were talking about, who was died and was buried and rose again, I'm coming over here and talking about the same guy. I'm just not going to talk to you about his... Heavenly ministry, not as earthly ministry. Now we're going to talk and we're going to take the faith to all the nations, not just a nation. Go back to Acts 2. Watch verse 29. Men and brethren, let me freely speak unto you of the patriarch David. Now usually these verses we just kind of read on over and skip, but I want you to notice them very carefully that he is both dead and buried, and his sepulcher is with us 
unto this day. Therefore, being a prophet and knowing that God has shown with him an uh, showed with an oath to him that of the fruit of his loins, according to the flesh, he would raise up Christ to sit on his throne. He seeing this before spake of the resurrection of Christ, that his soul was not left in hell, neither his flesh did see corruption. Now notice those, notice every word there. Peter stands up and says, listen guys, David wasn't talking about himself. He's over here in the grave, we got a sepulcher, he's still dead. Nobody ever said, oh man, there's resurrected King David, look at him, wow. They never said that. No one ever talked about David being resurrected. He says, he's not talking about David. He's dead. We got him in the grave. By the way, if they'd opened the grave, what would they have found? Bones. He's there. What we're talking about is that he took an oath that of the fruit of his loins, there's the seed issue. According to the flesh. What we're talking about is the Lord Jesus Christ and that he was the seed of David. But notice that he was raised up Christ to do what? Notice the verse, to sit on a throne, not to pay for the sins of the world. You see, Peter preached the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. But he preached it about the, you killed the Messiah and God raised him up so he could go sit on a throne in a kingdom over here that's coming. You follow, follow that? That literal, physical, earthly, visible, Davidic kingdom that was prophesied back there was, was on its way. The Lord says, go out there and preach the gospel of the kingdom. You know what the gospel of the kingdom was? Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That's the gospel of the kingdom. That's the good tidings of the kingdom. Go over there and look at Luke 8, 1. Look, look over there at that one. Luke 8. Luke 8, verse number 1. <coughs> Luke 8, verse number 1. And it came to pass afterward that he went throughout every city and village, preaching and showing the glad tidings of the kingdom of God. And the twelve were with him. He's out there preaching the good news of the kingdom, and you know what it was? You need to repent, you need to get right, you need to be, you got to get your spiritual situation taken care of, because that kingdom is at hand. Peter says, you guys killed him. He was the lineage, he was the seed of David, and God raised him up to go sit over here on a throne. Nothing about being justified. Isn't that interesting? No? Okay. Acts 13. I, that's fascinating to me. It helps with the, the, the folks that get caught up in all the other stuff out there. Oh, it's the same gospel, Rick. No, it's not. Just read. <laughs> that's all we're doing is reading verses. Acts 13. Paul is preaching here. He stands up, verse 16, Then Paul stood up and beckoned with his hands, Men of Israel and ye that fear God, give audience. And we have in Scripture the first recorded message of Paul. Paul's been preaching actually several years. This is not, you know, he, he wrote to Damascus is in Acts 9. This is some five, five, six, seven, eight years later where he's in Antioch here. And he stands and he gives a history of Israel. And he gives a, 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 a history of Israel all down through, come down to verse 37, all the way down to Christ. But he whom God raised again saw no corruption. See that issue there about God doing what? Raising him? The resurrection? Be it known unto you, Therefore, men and brethren. You see the therefore? That what is the there, therefore? It's to draw you back up to some things he said. So go back to verse 30. <coughs> In the history. But God raised him from the dead. 
the one that Pilate put in the sepulcher there in verse 28 and 29, what did God do? Raised him from the dead. And he was seen many days, of verse 31, of them which came up with him from Galilee to Jerusalem, who are his witnesses unto the people. And we declare unto you, what? Glad tidings. How that the promise which was made unto the fathers... God hath fulfilled the same unto us, their children, in that he hath raised up Jesus again. As it is written in the second psalm, uh uh-oh, more psalms. Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. Notice something very carefully. I, I read those so you get them in your mind. Paul comes along and he says, verse 32, We declare unto you glad tidings. Here's the gospel of God. Some good news here that the prophets have been talking about. Romans 1, 2, they've been talking about it all along, this good news. And the gospel of God has to do with a promise. Look in the verse. How that the promise. What did God promise concerning his son? That he would do what with him? Raise him up. When the Lord goes down and he's born of the virgin and he walks the earth, he's 33 and a half years and he dies and he goes to Calvary, he's in the garden of Gethsemane, he says, not my will but thy will. What does the Lord know that's going to happen in the back of his mind? That the Father made him a promise of resurrection. Just as he made the promise to Abraham back in Genesis 12 of resurrection. Just as he demonstrated it to to, to, to be a fact and that Abraham understood it in Genesis 20, to, uh, 20 or 22 there when he takes Isaac up onto the mountain. And, he look, and Abraham looks at the, the, the guys with him and he says, me and the lad are going to go and we will come again. What does Abraham know? Isaac's the seed. He can't kill the seed. He's got to have what? Resurrection. You see, the promise given to Abraham was an issue of Resurrection. I'm going to raise you up, your seed. I'm going to, there's, you're going to die, and, but your seed's going to go, and then one day you're going to see. And you know what Hebrews 11 says? By faith, what did he do? Not seeing the city, not seeing the land. He still did what? By faith, he believed God. That's why faith's always the issue. doesn't matter where you're at in Scripture. Faith in the Word of God to them. You see, the good news of God is the promise of resurrection. And Paul was separated to preach something about the resurrection that was a promise that God made to himself and to his son. And you look at verse 33 there, in that he hath raised him up again, as it is written in the second psalm, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. When was he declared to be the Son of God? The moment he walked out of the tomb. Resurrection. Paul has the authority to tell us, the disqualified people, about the resurrection. Because the gospel of God has to do with what? Christ coming. Dying, being buried, and raised again. Now, go back to verse 38. Be it known unto you, therefore, because the prophets have been talking about Christ, about the promise of resurrection. That's why we we praise the Lord for resurrection, for the grave, for Calvary every day, not just on Easter Sunday. He says to us in Romans 6, you have his code, death, burial, and resurrection. And he says, hey, you were buried with him in sin, you were died with him, that you may be raised and have that newness of life. You know, without the resurrection, 1 Corinthians 15, Paul answering the question about Christ really not being raised from the dead, it's all a hoax. You know, without the resurrection, what are we doing? I could have really used to sleep in this morning. (laughs) So some of you could have as well. Okay? By the looks on your face. (laughs) You haven't quite hit the coffee bin yet over there next door, have you? 
You see, folks, without the resurrection, our, we're, most, we're, most men, we're men most miserable, aren't we? That's what it is. Verse 38. Be it known unto you, therefore, men and brethren, that through this man is preached unto you the forgiveness of sins. And by him all that believe are justified from all things from which ye could not be justified by the law of Moses. Uh Uh-oh. That's what got Paul in all the hot water. Notice there's nothing about being raised to sit on a throne. That's what Acts 2 said. That's what Peter said. Acts 2, Peter says in our program, he was raised to sit on a throne. Paul says... He was raised for forgiveness of sins and for justification and for an inheritance that he'll get into here in a little bit. (coughs) You see, folks, nothing about a throne. Now come back to Romans 1. But it's all about what? Forgiveness of sins. So in Romans 1, verse 1, Separated under the gospel of God, he's talking about the issue there of resurrection. Verse 3, concerning his son Jesus Christ our Lord, who was made of the seed of David according to the flesh. There's his birth. There's Joseph and Mary in the manger and the scene there. Luke 1. There it is. But what does the next verse say? Notice the and. So we're we're still talking. And declaring. Declared to be the Son of God with what? With power. Hi. How? By the resurrection from the dead. How was he declared to be the Son of God? By some power. And that power was what? The resurrection of the dead. Because nobody can do that but who? But God. The Father gave him the the authority. He says, I lay down my life, I take it up, no man can do this to me, I'm doing it. So when those guys came into the Garden of Eden, Eden, Garden of Gethsemane, he says, who are you looking for? He knew who they were looking for. And they said, we're looking for Jesus of Nazareth, and he says, I am he, and he blows them all down. Like There's like almost 500 guys there. Blows them, lays them out. They stand back up. You'd think they'd have got the picture on the first blowdown, but they didn't. They stand back up, and he says, you show up with all these swords and all, this, all these people. Who are you looking for? And they said, Jesus, and he blows them down again. I, you figure they'd be hot. They're hard-headed. They're Romans and religious zealots, the Jews there. And then, then it, the verse says in John, he says, and he gave himself to them. They didn't take him. He voluntarily surrendered. Paul says, I was separated under the gospel of God. And it's concerning his son, Jesus Christ. Now, we're going to get down in the passage, okay, next time. Look at verse 2 and 3 there. Those other gospels that I mentioned earlier to you, um, the ten of them that I found, the uh, that, like I said, are kind of concrete. You can begin to, you know depending on how you look at them. The gospel of the kingdom, obviously that is dealing with the fulfillment of the Davidic covenant. The gospel of circumcision deals with the um, Abrahamic covenant, the identification of the nation of Israel. There's the gospel of, there's the everlasting gospel that's in Revelation 14 out there that the angel is going to preach to the Gentiles and so forth. That's in the tribulation. Then you have the gospel of the uncircumcision. Obviously, that's Paul, salvation going to the Gentiles, not through the nation of Israel, but directly now. Then you have the, the, the gospel, my gospel. Paul says, my gospel. That's the totality of all of the information given to Paul. The gospel... Good news. Is it not good news to know that we're seated in heavenly places, blessed with all spiritual blessings because of who we are in Him? See, that, has, that is a result of what? Trusting Christ, Calvary, right? Then you have the gospel of God. 
again, that deals with that broad term, that broad uh, category about his death, burial, and resurrection concerning his son. By the way, the gospel of God, that's the source. Where it all comes from is God. Then you have the gospel of Christ. When we get over in verse 16, we'll see that, that he's the subject, who it's all about. The good news about Christ. Then you have the gospel of peace. That's the result of, of it all. And then in Galatians 1, there you have the other gospel. And that's really being scriptural but not dispensational. That's a mixing of everything. Okay? So, and it goes back. So, those are those gospels. There's ten of them in that list. Again, depending on how you look at some of the other ones. There was a gospel preached to Noah. What did Noah have to do? Build a boat. That's a gospel. That's a good news. Noah, by faith, did what? Obeyed the message to him. He built the boat. That's a gospel. Okay? Moses had a gospel given to him in the burning bush about who he was, about good news about him being the deliverer, and then what he had to do. See, it just depends on how you begin to read and look at some of that, okay? But when you come to the word gospel... Don't just jump. Oh my goodness! Read the content. The gospel of the grace of uh, the gospel of the grace of God. <laughs> That's a big one. That covers quite a bit of information. That deals with uh, everything that He's provided on the basis of His grace. No covenants. No, you know, promises provided under Israel's program, but everything is done by is grace okay all right we'll pick up in verse two next time kind of move on maybe not spend six weeks in one verse but uh it's important i'll be honest with you because it's a foundational book it's laying in the ground and we're clearing the ground right now to lay begin to lay in those four pillars okay all right dearly father we thank you for the morning lord we thank you for the look here into your word We thank you that we have your word, and we thank you for your son. We'll give you the praise and the honor and the glory. In your name we pray. Amen.